My name is Elmer Eldred, and I want to welcome you to an interview with the director of the Center for Education at the Washington Policy Center, Liv Finn. Liv, thank you for taking the time to discuss what the Washington Department of Education is forcing on our students. Can you explain to us what is that's taking place with the Washington State School System? Well, yes, it's a pleasure to be on the radio with you today. I would like to say that I have been following... Uh, policy at the state level for a dozen years now in Washington. And I am dismayed by the direction that the leaders of the state are now taking, reduce the academic rigor, the academic uh, expectations of the students in Washington. Recently, the um, the uh, state superintendent has said that he doesn't like the idea of state testing, that, that uh, he would like to see state testing be done away with, for example. I've seen districts getting rid of failing grades, for example. And, and I have seen lots of movements away from setting high expectations for our students to learn math and, and reading, which they will need to succeed when they graduate from high school and set off on their path in life. So that is uh, my concern. And now since the pandemic and students lost nearly two years of their uh, schooling, that many students had their education interrupted in a way that hasn't been uh, fixed since then. Uh, the test scores show that 70% of Washington students are failing the state test in math and 50% are failing the state test in reading. And this from my perspective as a policy analyst, I see this as a crisis. It's an education crisis, and it's it's some, and we must do something to meet this crisis, or we're setting off an entire generation. One point one million students in Washington are going to be socially promoted to the schools to to be graduated without the knowledge and skills they will need to succeed after they get out of high school, and this is. This is a disaster for many students, and that the research uh, out of the universities is showing that entry students are behind maybe a, two years in reading and two years in math, and the middle school students are behind in learning uh, abstract concepts in math. And so you see the problem compounds if you don't know how to do your math facts well from elementary school, you're not going to learn your abstract concepts of, of geometry and algebra later uh, in school. And so you can see that this is this can be a real problem for children. And that's why I think it's important to talk about it so that we can uh, apply pressure on our schools to direct our energies to help individual children get individual tutoring if they need help getting up in school. Well, you know, Liv, it's, it's it should be so obvious that it's free fall into uh, failing education, but it doesn't seem like uh, Olympia or that, you know, there's a, any big concern about it. You don't see a lot of news on it or anything. You know, nation that used to be the envy of uh, the world for education and look how far we've fallen. 
Yes, I agree. It seems as if uh, the news is not covering this, and it seems as if our state leaders are trying to ignore that this is this is done to the students. And if you think about it for a minute, the government these are public schools run by the government, and it was the government that closed down the schools for nearly two years. And here in Washington State, we were the forty seventh state in the nation to reopen our schools after the pandemic was over. We were months behind other states in the nation. We were nearly a year after other countries opened their schools up. In Europe and in Asia, the schools opened up the fall of of 2020. We didn't open up our schools until the fall of 2021. That's an entire year lost. And yet, so so if you think about it, since it's a government-run system and the government closed it down, the government doesn't want to acknowledge the damage that was done to the children from their decisions. And so it's kind of, if you think of it from that perspective, you can see why they are trying to turn attention away from what was done to the children. And here at the Washington Policy Center, we analyze the data and the facts, and we try to give accurate information out to the public about what's happening. And we're having a new study come out in, in the next month or so uh, that provides the research showing the effects of emergency-ordered school closings and mask mandates and learning loss on children. And it is not a small matter. It is a serious issue in the lives of all the children. There were detrimental effects in, on academics, like I said, 70% of failing in math. That, If you don't have your math facts down, you can't go to college, you can't get a job as a, in a trade. You have to, have to understand math in this society to get ahead. Uh, and there are other effects that from the school closures, like many children, especially young girls and, and adolescent girls suffered you know, mental and social distress from being isolated from their peers. There are other damaging effects, and, and we need to talk about them so that so that this decision isn't made again, at least that the government understands that, that, that closing the schools was not the way to handle uh, the pandemic, that the children were at low risk of spreading the disease. That's why the schools in Europe, Asia, opened in the fall of 2020. But that's not uh, what happened here because of the power of the adults in the system. And we need to start talking about you know, what is the purpose of all the money we give to our schools? Mm-hmm. Are we? What What is the money being given for? What, what purpose? Taxpayers are providing funding to educate the children to create, you know, comfortable government sector jobs for adults. Well, the virtual the virtual learning was a complete failure. I mean, they didn't have, uh, I don't think they had even a third of the students that were every day that were online trying to, uh, you know, get caught up with what their schoolwork. So that was, yes. and, and then like you say, the money, the amount of money that we're spending, you know, I mean, we spend more than just about any country on education and uh, not getting anything for, you know, and I well, mean, Yes, we're spending on, okay, in Washington State this last past school year, we spent $18,175 per student on average statewide. In some of the wealthy districts like Seattle's, we're spending $22,000 per student. And the way we've set this up is this is a a monopoly system. It has a guaranteed income stream unless the children, you know, unless there's a drop in enrollment, which we're actually seeing, you know, the the responses of parents to having their schools closed have been very interesting. Uh, There, 41,000 families have pulled their children out of 
public schools in Washington state because they're so dissatisfied with what happened to their children during the COVID school shuts. And that should be a warning sign. We should be talking to those families and hearing why they're pulling their kids out, why they are assuming the burden of educating their children themselves. I mean, the percentage of of, uh, increase to uh, homeschooling is 50% increase in homeschoolers, a 20% increase in private schoolers, and then the rest uh, left the state and went to a different state with better school policies. <laughs> so we have, a, we have a problem here when we're not educating our children, we're spending a lot of money to educate our children, and, we're, and 70% are failing state tests in math. This is, this is something, we, we, yes, we, we had a COVID emergency. Let's learn from what we did, what we did right and what we did wrong. And, and, and to put the burden entirely on children, society, we have to start looking at ourselves and, and, and looking in the mirror and saying, what is it we got here? Why, is it, why are we doing things this way? Who is in charge of the schools and who does not have any power in the schools? And how do we fix this? Well, and, and, you know, the, the thing is, is that they, they pushed academics back for social, um, you know, race theory, uh, sex ed, all the, all the things that really, um, I mean, there's no, there's not much you can do with critical race theory when you get out to make a living. You're, you ha- you're going to have to know to build things or, or uh, you know, the technical part of it and stuff. Those, those classes are not helping anybody get ready for the future. You're absolutely right, Dell. It is, it is the strangest thing to see children denied the academics that they need to succeed in life. We all need, we all know that they need rigorous academics and reading and math to succeed in life. The schools have taken this weird turn towards making equity their top priority. Equity is another term for critical race theory, this this ideology that is now in the schools. And it teaches that white children are uh, the members of a systemically racist society and that white children are oppressors and brown children are victims. And this is just not true. It's false. It's in the schools. And this and parents through the COVID school shutdown saw what kids were being taught over the Zoom classes. And there has been an uproar. And that's part of the reason why so many parents are pulling their kids out of the schools. They say, my goodness, they're not teaching them what I expected them to be teaching. And they're teaching them. They're teaching these children, my children, these harmful racist concepts that we know are not true. And the, the, how do we get here? How do we get how did these radicals in, in the university get such power over content that is taught the children in the classrooms? That's, that's, a, whole, that's a whole question that should be, the society should start, our society should start investigating. How did this happen? Every single, if you, if you listen to any state board of education meeting, OS, Office of Superintendent of Public Instruction meeting, any kind of education legislation committee, they're all talking about equity. And, and the notion that somehow schools are to deliver social justice. Well, these terms mean nothing except if you are trying to, you know, make people feel badly so that you can accrue power to yourself. I mean, it's it's a it's a dangerous, uh, vague, uh, Orwellian, you know, we're in a time where terms are being used to 
bludgeon one another, you know, and how is it right to make a child feel badly because of the color of their skin, whether you're an oppressor or, or a victim, that is a wrong thing to be teaching the children. And I don't understand how teachers could even subscribe to such a thing. They know that it's harmful. You, you must love and welcome every child, regardless if you're a teacher. So, uh, you know, Dell, I'm very concerned about it on on a sort of psychological basis because you mentioned social and emotional learning. They, they're putting social and emotional. It seems to me the response of COVID of the school system is now to be concerned about the social and emotional welfare of the children when they're the ones who cause, you know, the distress, the psychological distress to the children by closing the schools in the first place. And then, and then you have the state that is, uh, has directives to the school system that the you know that they, these kids are not supposed to bring home this, the uh, ideas and the agenda that's published, that's pushed through the schools. A lot of parents don't even know about it because it's kind of like uh, it's, they're not supposed to tell their parents about it. Yes, there is there is an element of hiding going on in the schools from parents, which is an outrage. It really is. It's an assault on the family. I'm seeing. I'm seeing, you know, policy papers. I'm seeing, oh, so for example, I was looking at the social and emotional learning standards at the state and uh, they, and these healthy youth surveys that are being asked, that, are, that they're asking children to fill out. They're asking children things like, do you feel like you have a safe adult who you can talk to outside of your family? Yeah. Now, what kind of a question is that? <laughs> An outrageous question to ask a child whose whole life is dependent on a close and strong bond with their family. And this is the state doing this? Why are they doing that? I find it an outrage. And and I think that um, that, that people should be going to their school boards and saying, what's going on with social and emotional learning and these healthy youth surveys? didn't give my I didn't give the school my permission to give children questions like this that, that ask them questions about their gender or their sexual orientation that is out of bounds the schools and you, and you, you know the the some of the small schools and I believe like in Goldendale people aren't in touch with what really is going on but this stuff comes down from the state and there is no school that's exempt it's it's a little uh, a, a few schools are a little more aggressive around the Seattle area and stuff but it's it's in every school yes, it, yes because it's coming down as a mandate from the uh, office of superintendent of public instruction especially the comprehensive sex ed uh, for the early grades they they say that the local school districts can pick their uh, their curriculum, but then only certainly approve only from a list of certainly you know approved curriculum by the state. So, you know, it's it's important for parents to look at what the materials their kids are are uh, bringing home, and, and for parents to be asking questions, to be discussing these matters with their children, and and that's the beauty of the, the family child bond is that. Of course, children listen first and foremost to their parents. And uh, if their parents say, well, you know, the, the schools are often pick up these ridiculous fads and we're going through an equity fad right now, just don't listen to this nonsense about race in the schools because it violates your civil rights. Uh, you know, you, we have rights under a constitution. We live in a society where we are, uh, we treat every man as an equal. That's the basis upon which our, our, 
country was born, uh, you know, all equal under the law with no favor to any is the whole premise of our, our liberal society. And so this is a very easy thing to do, uh, go to your child, to have him pull, pull out the Declaration of Independence and read the first paragraph to your child and say, see, here they wrote when they started this country. And now they're teaching you something different in the schools, but that will pass over. Declaration of Independence and the Constitution, that has lived on now for over 200 years. It will continue to live on, and we're just going through a bad patch here through after COVID. Well, Liv, I don't think the education, uh, what's going on now, has ever been any worse than it is right now in our country. And uh Keep on top of it, and I, you know, people need to go to Washington Policy Center and read this stuff that you write because there's so much information, and it opens your eyes to see exactly how uh, they're manipulating and uh, using, you know, the kids for their own agenda to, uh, or what end use. I have no idea, but it's not to the advantage of the student. That's for sure. Well, the numbers show that, don't they? 70% failing in our state in math, 50% failing English. That is our state. Those are the results from our state-administered tests from last fall. And I'm, I'm very curious to see what the spring tests will show, because I suspect that they are not going to be much better than that. So that is the only real measure we have to show up for the schools and say, look at my, my daughter, my son is not doing well on these tests. What are you doing to help them catch up from the, yeah. from the two years that you closed our school down? You have money from the federal government. Use it to help to give my kid an individual tutoring. He can get caught up and not be hurt by your decisions to close the schools. That's the kind of thing, you know, there's money. Okay, we've got, we got $2.84 billion from the federal government in COVID relief funds. And 20% of that money, that is 330-some million dollars, is supposed to be being spent on pandemic learning recovery, all right? So the districts have money to do this, and, and some of them are not using it. I'm hearing reports that they're diverting money for other purposes. Well, I don't, I don't know how to help anybody except to let you know about it and go to the schools and demand extra help if your kid is behind. Find out how they did on the spring tests in reading and math and go to the school and say, you must help my son. My, you must help my daughter. This is not fair. You exist to educate this child and you're not educating this child. And then and then when you get a chance, you know, uh, support, support ideas like uh, giving families direct aid to send their children to private school. That is what we see as the solution to this. Because that those kinds of programs, voucher programs, scholarship programs, uh, tax credits, scholarship programs that help families send their ch children to private schools that are quality schools, that is the way to make the monopoly respond to the wishes of parents through the forces of competition, through the threat of losing their money. Maybe then they'll start listening to parents and stop treating them like some kind of tool uh, to, to further their own aims of rules of power because it's, it's just wrong and you know that the funding should follow the student not fund the system and that is that is what reformers like me across the country are calling for way to you know to, way to improve the schools to strengthen the public schools to make them more responsive to make them reform themselves from within improve the quality of their teaching improve the quality of their curriculum is to if parents control over a portion of the money and let them leave. That way you would all of a sudden have a much 
more responsive system than we have today. Uh, and that is what we're, what we're pushing for and hoping for in the future. Well, Liv, uh, there's so many issues and so much stuff that you, you know to cover on this education, and there's more every day, every week. And you know, like I say, your articles, uh, people need to look at them and uh, at the Washington Policy Center and, and go there and take a look at your articles because there's more. Uh, I mean, you take the covers off of what this education system is, is doing and and how they accomplish what they, uh, you know, their social programs and stuff. So it's very important that people really start getting a hold of this for kids' sake. Yes, I agree. I, well, I really welcome everyone to come to the Washington Policy Center and read our website. We have other, we cover other issues as well. We favor uh, limited government and free market solutions, and, and uh, we think that the promise of America is based on the individual energy and initiative of the people, and that the solutions do not lie in the in the halls of government. And uh, that's why you know we're such staunch critics of the government school system because it's it's really uh, fallen down and it's it's uh, failing it certainly failed the test of covid and now the children are paying the price and this is this is not a society that will accept that i mean children should not be paying the price of adult mistakes we need to need to restore the loss that has and the damage that's been suffered by children and this means academic loss, not not meant social and emotional learning in, in CRT, critical race theory ideology, is a radical, uh, harmful and divisive ideology that should not be in the schools. There are going to be lawsuits getting rid of it. Uh, and, you know, there are lawsuits starting now across the country against it. Uh, there's a strong pushback against it. So, you know, I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful. Well... I, I am too, Liv, and <laughs> I hope that we, we, by people who have a knowledge, we do end up with, a, it'll be down the road, but uh, a, a lot better um, education than what we have now, be beneficial to the, to the students so they can lead productive lives. And I just want to thank you for what you do and, uh, you know, putting the word out, and, and like I say, the, the people, the knowledge of what what's going on and what needs to be done, so... Well, thank you very much for, for interviewing me, Dell, and I, I wish you all the best. Thank you, Liv, and uh, like I say, I appreciate your time today, and, and uh, do thank you for this interview. Well, anytime. I'm, I'm here to, to serve you in any way I can. Appreciate it.